Now the show about faith, miracles, and the supernatural, Praying Medic Live. Our host is a paramedic and a former atheist who now sees miracles nearly every day, and he teaches others how to live a supernatural life. Here he is, Praying Medic. Hi, this is Praying Medic Live, and I'm your host, Praying Medic. I'm here in the studio with my wife, Denise, every Thursday night at 8 on Independent Talk 1100 KFNX. Our goal with this show is to teach average believers how to live a supernatural life. Now, before we get into the show, I want to thank a couple of people, uh, Bonnie and Marina, who have generous enough to make some donations to help support the cost of uh, producing the show. So, Bonnie and Marina, I'd like to thank you. I would also like to make a disclaimer. Um, even though I am a, a trained paramedic, the advice that I give on the show is not intended to replace the advice of a physician or a nurse practitioner. If you have a medical condition, please consider seeing a professional, a medical professional who's licensed to can properly diagnose and treat you. We're going to be talking about a lot of things like healing and uh, miracles, uh, things that we've seen in our lives. So when we're talking about healing, yeah, uh, go to the doctor. <laughs> right. But there's a lot of good spiritual advice on that, too. Right. We, we do see people healed of different medical conditions. But at the same time, I am a paramedic. I carry a drug box. Mm-hmm. I follow regular protocols to take care of my patients. And I recommend that if you have a medical condition, you consider seeing a uh, licensed professional to have them diagnose and treat you. So with that out of the way. Okay. So welcome, everyone. And uh, let's get into this. So praying medic, what can you tell me? about the way your Christian life used to be, it used to be sort of the average Christian life. And then you began living a more supernatural life. Um, can you start to compare that for us? Well, yeah. Um, actually, I used to be an atheist until I was right. 38 years old. Uh, but then, yeah, I had a little come to Jesus meeting <laughs> in uh, the year 2000. And after that, I, I led kind of a normal Christian life. I went to church every Sunday. I listened to Bible studies, tried to learn more about God. But my, my Christian life didn't have a, a lot of purpose. I didn't have a great sense of my identity. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew I was saved and I knew I was a believer, but I wasn't really sure how God felt about me. And I certainly didn't see anyone healed when I prayed with them. Um, I lived kind of a you know a typical uh, life that most people do. Right, and I did too. Um, I was also an atheist years ago uh, until I was in my 40s. And uh, I had the little come to Jesus Jesus meeting, too. (laughs) So we kind of have a similar background. And then I was in the evangelical church, and I remember really looking up to the people there and my pastor. And after a time, I I began to realize that they didn't really believe in miraculous healing. And I had hope for it. I had never seen a miracle, but I always wanted to, and I was always hoping that that was the case, that there would be miraculous healing. When we would pray for people in the church, we would always, instead of praying for healing, just God, you know, let's have a miracle here. We would pray for the doctor's hands to be guided in the surgery or for the doctor to give the right diagnosis or something like that. Yeah, that was my experience too. I remember when I was uh, in the last large congregation that I was in, our pastor ended up with some kind of a disease and uh, the, the congregation prayed for him, but no one really laid hands on him. No one was expecting a miracle. Um, and he wasn't healed. Uh, he went in and had surgery, mm-hmm. and, and he was he was okay after the surgery. But that's very different from the kind of life that we live right now. You know, and not everyone has that experience. I think there are some churches that are really 
uh, into the miraculous and healing. You just don't find them easily Yeah, from our experience anyway. Yeah, they seem to be few and far between. But, you know, for a lot of us, the Christian life is kind of go to church, read the Bible, pray, try to draw closer to God. A lot of that revolves around church activity, serving in the church, whether it's in the nursery or, you know, in the youth ministry or whatever it is, outreach. Um, Fundraising, bake sales. Fundraising. (laughs) The nursery. (laughs) Trying to be a good person, trying to avoid sin, trying to, you know. Trying to be nice to people. Right. Because some of us believe that if we avoid sin and try to be a nice person, that'll somehow win us favor with God. God will, you know, like us better or whatever. Mm -hmm. But that's very different from the life that we're living right now, which is a life where we know that we are loved by God always, eternally, and that we live a life of power where we see a lot of people healed. We are led by dreams and visions. Uh, Denise and I have dreams and visions quite often where the Lord will show us things about people. He'll show us things about ourselves, our destiny. And God does some really crazy things, amazing things, as we follow what he's showing us. Okay, so we were living in Washington State at the time. We weren't in Arizona yet. And um, we were really writing down our dreams because we had I had taken a biblical dream interpretation course, so we were really getting into having dreams, writing down dreams and everything. And we would always ask each other in the morning, what was your dream last night? You know, because we were dreaming all the time. Well, sometimes you'd wake up and see me with the flashlight on and I'd be writing down my dream on my note card. Right. And so I'd ask him, you know, what was your dream about? And he and that particular morning, we both had the same dream about the same thing. So that never happened before. Um, It was a dream about us being in a loan officer's um, office. And we were like a mortgage brokerage place or whatever. Title title company. company. Yeah, Yeah. title company. That's the name. And um, we were signing papers on a home loan. Well, we didn't own a home in Washington, and and I never wanted to buy a home there. (laughs) And this was a few weeks before we moved to Arizona. Oh, I I couldn't remember the timing, but yeah. It was about two or three weeks before we moved. So um, then when we moved here to Arizona, we did want to buy a home. And we finally found a home that we wanted. First, we rented in Mesa an apartment, and we didn't like it there. Um, And then then we... um, One day I came home from work, and you said, honey, I found the house I want to buy. Sorry, I just lost my train of thought there. Um, I was going off on the Mesa tangent. Kelly grabbed me and took me over there and made me look at it. (laughs) Right. I looked at the house and then we decided, yeah, we really want this house. So we went through the loan process. And, you know, after that crash in 2008, everything got more difficult to get a loan. Um, This was like 2011, I think, when we were going through the process. And um, everything, everything in the world went wrong. And the only thing that Dave kept praying medic kept saying to me is remember the dream remember the dream we we had that dream together you know yeah we it was difficult because we'd put down some uh earnest money and we felt like god was going to give us this home but everything that could go wrong went wrong and it was very stressful we were having problems with my employment we were having problems with the bank this is just it was a huge mess and it looked as if the deal was going to fall through we could even lose our earnest money that we had put down uh, as the down payment for the house. But all through the process, um, I kept telling Denise, honey, we had those dreams. We just have to believe God is going to make this happen, even though the chips were stacked against us. So, I mean, I was freaking out, but you were (laughs) 
you were so calm out. because of the dreams. You just kept reminding me. That was good. Yeah, because I take the dreams that I have as God's promises, that he is going to do what he shows us he's going to do in dreams. If we have faith, if we believe, and if we, you know, don't chicken out and pull the ripcord. So we went through, and uh, it went right down to the wire. We had uh, the banker on the phone all the time. He's calling us, our loan officer. Hey, you know, it's getting really tight. Underwriting may not come through. We don't know what's going to happen. Right, the ver- He actually right, so- told us to pray. He told <laughs> he us said, to pray. He said, if you're praying called, people, you should pray. He called one Friday and said, if you guys are praying people, you better pray, because this thing is not looking good right now. But uh, in the end, we did get the loan. We were approved. It was a, a huge ordeal, but that's kind of typical of the, the things that God does for us when he gives us dreams and we, you know, believe and obey and do what he wants us to do. Right. So if you pay attention to your dreams and you learn a little bit about the symbolism in dreams, because they're not always that literal, often they're very symbolic, um, you can you can gain a lot of revelation about your life through them. You can. Yeah. Whether your dreams are, are literal or symbolic. I mean, I have a lot of literal dreams for some strange reason, which I'm glad because I'm not that good at interpreting dreams. But um yeah, if you learn to interpret your dreams, I think most of the dreams people have are from God. If you learn to interpret them, you can get some great direction and some great promises, and God will really instruct you about your life. So now I'd like to switch gears and talk about a healing story. So the supernatural life of the believer can be something that any Christian can walk in. We can see this happen, but there is a process to doing it. And even after I became a believer, I didn't believe in healing and miracles. Until one night about five years ago, I had a dream where God appeared to me in the dream and said, I want you to pray for your patients, and when you do, I'm going to heal them. Now, at that time, I didn't have a grid for healing. I'd never seen anyone healed. I didn't believe in healing and miracles. I was absolutely a skeptic, and I thought, this is just crazy. You know, I don't know Mm -hmm. what to do. So... I very reluctantly started praying for my patients and I prayed for hundreds of people and nobody was healed. But eventually I, I realized I needed to get some instruction. So I started watching some videos and reading some books and I figured out that there is a method, some ingredients that are involved to make healing successful. Later on in the show, I'm going to walk you through some of the steps, but for right now, I'm just going to share a story. One day uh, while I was working on the ambulance, We were uh, called to go to a hospital to transport a patient from one hospital to another hospital. It was a small hospital. This patient had come into the emergency department. He had basically filled the toilet with blood for about three days. He bled out most of his blood volume. Uh, Before we got there, the emergency room doctor uh, transfused six units of blood and arranged for him to be transferred to a larger hospital for surgery. So we picked him up and put him in the ambulance and were transporting him to the other hospital. Now, I had looked at his registration face sheet, and I saw that he was a Muslim. And I really wanted this guy to get healed. I was like, oh, God, if you, would you please heal this guy? This would be so cool if you do this. But I thought, he's a Muslim. He's not going to let me pray for him. Well, and he had a lot more problems than that, too. Yeah. He was a young man, but he still had, he had diabetes. He had yeah. all kinds of issues. Yeah, he was like 27 or 28 years old, but he was diagnosed with high blood pressure when he was 15. He had kidney failure, I think, when he was um, 18. By the time he was 21, he'd had a stroke and was in a coma for two days, and he was already on dialysis. So he, was, he, he had a really messed up life, and he was pretty sick. You know, he asked me a lot of questions in the ambulance, and I answered him. And I asked him a question. I said, hey, man, 
can I pray for you? And he was like, yeah, sure, you can pray for me. So I was like, yes, all, all right. So I said, what's bothering you the most right now? And he said, I have a killer headache. And I said, well, how bad is it on a scale of, you know, one to 10? He said, it's about a nine. So I said, cool, watch this. So I put my hand on his forehead and I just said, I command pain to leave in Jesus' name. I command headache to leave. I command spirits of pain to leave. I command uh, blood vessels to be healed. Sometimes people have uh, headaches because uh, blood vessels are constricted or they're contracted too much. Right. So a lot of times when I'm praying for headaches, I just command blood vessels to be normal. So I did that, and I said, How's, how do you feel? And he goes, well, it, it's actually a little better. And I said, well, on a scale of 1 to 10, how bad is it? And he said, it's about a 7. And I said, okay, cool. So let me do this again. So I put my hand on his forehead, and I did the same thing. I just commanded healing, commanded the blood vessels to be normal, commanded pain to leave, and I said, how you feel now? He goes, it's better. And I said, on a zero to 10 scale, how bad is it? He goes, about a five. I thought, okay, so let me do this one more time. So I did it again, same thing, went down to a three. And then I said, okay, one more time, let me do this. So I you know, put my hand on his forehead, commanded pain to leave again. And I said, how you feel now? He goes, that's crazy. He goes, I have no headache. It's completely gone. And he was stunned. And so was I, because I mean, I, <laughs> I had seen some people healed by this point, but it would just blew me away because now I knew if this guy had his headache was healed, his bleeding was going to get healed. And that was the thing that I was really wanting to get healed. It raised so, your faith level. Right. After his headache was healed, he goes, you're a Christian, aren't you? And I said, yes, I am. And he said, you know, there's, I want to tell you something about Jesus. He goes, you Christians believe that Jesus is God. The Bible says no one has seen God at any time. But the multitude saw Jesus, so how could he be God? Mm -hmm. Because all kinds of people saw him. And I said, look, man, I don't want to argue with you. I just want to get you healed. So right. I just changed the subject, and I said, look, you're bleeding really bad. Let me pray for your uh, bleeding, and let's get that healed. He goes, okay, that's cool. So I put my hands on his abdomen, and I just did the same thing over his abdomen that I did for his headache. I put my hands on there. I commanded the blood vessels to stop bleeding. I commanded his intestines and his colon and to be normal, stop bleeding. You know, I, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just saying, stop bleeding. You know, I command this bleeding to stop. Mm -hmm. So we get into You were the, persistent and I, you were begging God. I was persistent, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and then I remembered he's a dialysis patient. He doesn't, he's, you know, kidney failure. And I thought, this guy needs new kidneys. So let's go for like a total body makeover. So, <laughs> so uh, Long story short, I prayed for his kidneys to be healed. We dropped him off in the ICU at the hospital. Uh, I went home. Two days later, I came into town, and I was checking up on people I had prayed with. So I went to the hospital. I went to the ICU, and I checked him out. And uh, he was still there in the ICU. So I talked to the nurse and said, hey, can I go in? She said, yeah, go in. You can, you can see him. So I walked in his room, and the guy goes, oh, man, it's the praying medic. How you doing, buddy? And I said, I'm doing good. How are you doing? He goes, you're not going to believe it. And I said, what? He goes, they're sending me home. Uh, and I said, well, what happened? He goes, nothing. They didn't do surgery. They didn't find anything. <laughs> they did more CAT scans, endoscopy. They did all these tests. They couldn't find any bleeding. The doctors don't know why, don't know how, but all the bleeding was stopped. So they made me stay here for a couple of days and are sending me home. That is an amazing story. It, I, I love it. And once you start to see people heal like that, it is mm -hmm. great. It's awesome. And, you know, that that's the kind of thing that any person can do. Uh, I wanted to answer a question that some of you might be wondering about. How is it that a believer can pray over somebody and get them healed? What does it take 
to pray prayers Mm -hmm. that actually work and get people healed. Well, I'd like to take a few minutes here to do a little bit of teaching on healing from the New Testament. So whenever I look at subjects concerning God, I always try to use Jesus as my role model. In my mind, Jesus is perfect theology. Anything that I want to know about God, I first look at the life of Jesus and say, how did he do this? So if you look at uh, one of the healing encounters in the New Testament, you can find this in uh, either Luke chapter 7 or uh, Matthew chapter 8. There was when the centurion, the Roman centurion, came to Jesus and asked him to heal his servant. So the centurion asked Jesus, hey, can you heal my servant? And Jesus said, well, sure, I can do that. Uh, where is he? You know, I'll, I'll take me to where he's at. And the centurion said, no, 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 no. You don't have to come with me. He goes, you're a man of authority, and I'm a man of authority, and I understand how authority works. If I say to this person, come over here, he comes. And if I say to this person, go there, he goes, because he's under my authority. I understand how authority works. You just say the word, and my servant will be made well. Right. So he found out later on that at the very moment that Jesus was having this conversation with the centurion, he was healed. Mm-hmm. So one of the keys to healing is authority. The cent- Roman centurion knew healing was all about authority, even though a lot of people today still don't know that. They don't realize healing has a lot to do with the authority that God has given us as his representatives in the earth. So you're saying instead of asking God to heal someone, we're supposed to do it right. in His name, in Jesus' name. Right. If you He's look given through, us authority. Yeah, if you look through uh, the Gospels, you will never see Jesus or the disciples asking the Father to heal someone. You'll never see them begging God to heal anyone. Most of the healing was done through a touch, through a release of power, through a command, through some kind of transfer of power. They knew that they had the authority and the power in them, and they just needed to release it. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the keys to releasing healing, is to understand uh, when Jesus told the disciples in Luke 10, verse 19, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. And if you live in Arizona, That's good news. trampling on serpents and scorpions is actually a pretty cool <laughs> thing because we actually see them here. Uh, he also said, And over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means har- harm you. So Jesus gave his disciples authority over all the power of the enemy. Sickness is one of the powers of the enemy. And Jesus has given us authority over it. Right. So we basically believe that God doesn't give anybody sickness. No. God, God doesn't intend for anyone to be sick to learn something. Right. Or... So uh, here's, here's a question. If it's God's will for people to be sick, then why did Jesus go around healing entire villages of all of their sickness and disease? Right. If God's will is for people to be sick no one ever violated the will of God more than Jesus. And Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. Right. Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus healed everyone who came to him, never turned anyone away, never said, well, you know, I think the father is working something out in your life. So you he's going to let you to keep learn that. a lesson from this. Yeah. Jesus never turned anyone away for healing. So God isn't holding back, withholding our healing. No, he's not. It, it really is kind of a failure on the part of us believers if we don't pray for people in the right. proper way. Right. In, in, in a way it is. So the other, uh, what I call them, the, the pillars, there's several pillars of healing. The other one is faith. 
And uh, I'll just give an illustration of what faith for healing looks like. So if you go to the uh, account of Jairus, who came to Jesus to have his uh, daughter healed because she was sick and to the point where she was almost going to die. This is in Mark chapter 5 or Luke chapter 8. So Jairus actually watched the woman with the flow of blood be healed. She walked up, touched the hem of Jesus' garment, and she was healed. And Jesus made her testify about what happened. And she, so she gives her testimony of healing. Jairus was in the crowd. Mm-hmm. And Jairus had come there for healing for his daughter who was about ready to die. So Jairus, you know, comes to Jesus and says, hey, you know, I need my daughter to be healed. A, a, a servant comes over to Jairus and says, hey, don't bother the master. She's dead. So Jesus looks at Jairus after he just heard news that his daughter was dead. Jesus looks at Jairus and says, do not fear, only believe. And if you do, she will be made well. Mm -hmm. So what Jesus was telling Jairus was, if you do not doubt and if you believe, your daughter is going to be raised from the dead. It's all about faith. Faith, yeah. Jairus needed to have faith and trust that the power of Jesus, the power of God, could raise his daughter from the dead. So the issue of faith is it's not about believing that God can heal or believing that God wants to heal. The issue of faith really is believing that in the specific situation for the person who needs healing, when you lay hands on them, when you pray for them, you need to believe with all your heart and and expect that God's going to heal them. That's how I look at faith for healing. Now, I want to give kind of an overview of how Jesus trained the disciples for healing. By the way, in the Great Commission, Jesus told his followers, make disciples of all nations. He didn't say make converts. Mm -hmm. He said make disciples. There's a difference. There's a huge difference between converts and disciples. A convert is somebody who has a belief system. A disciple is a student who follows and learns the teaching of a master Mm-hmm. so that they can become like the master. So they can learn the skills and do the same things that the master does. That's a disciple. Jesus said, the works that I do, you will also do, and greater works, because they go to my Father. Jesus fully intended us to do all the works that he did and greater works. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus chooses the 12 and gives them a commission. And he says, Go and as you preach, say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Okay? So the 12 go out and do that. They come back. Jesus sends out the 70. This is in Luke chapter 10. He says, whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things that are set before you. Heal the sick that are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. So he told the 70, go out, heal the sick. All right? Yeah. Now in Mark chapter 16, where... Mark records the Great Commission Jesus gave to disciples. Most people look at the one from Luke or Matthew, but in Mark's version of the Great Commission, Jesus said, Preach a good news to every creature, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons, speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them, and they'll lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover. All through the Gospels, he was teaching them to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to raise the dead, Mm-hmm. and proclaim the kingdom. Now, I would ask you, if you go to church somewhere right now, is that the main thing that your pastor is teaching you to do? 
And if that's not the main thing, then you might want to ask yourself, why not? Mm-hmm. Because those are the only commissions Jesus ever gave his disciples. And that's something to think about. So I am Praying Medic, and we're going to take a quick break. Do not go away. We'll be right back with more of Praying Medic Live on Independent Talk 1100 KFNX. If you just joined us, we are talking about the healing and the miraculous. Hey there. How you doing, baby? You're looking good. Thank you. So on the last segment, we were talking about healing. And I would like to kind of segue into another aspect of healing. We talked a little bit about authority, and we talked a little bit about faith. But now I want to talk about power. Those are the three, what I consider to be the three pillars of healing. So Jesus has given his disciples all the authority they need to work miracles, to cast out demons, to raise the dead, and to heal. Our part of the equation is faith. We need to have faith, and we need to believe that when we lay hands on someone, they're going to be healed. Okay? That takes a while to develop. We'll talk about that in a little bit. The other aspect of healing that you, you need to understand a little bit about is power. What is the power that heals people? So when Jesus had been resurrected, and he went and he was hanging out with the disciples, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, everyone knows this verse, but mm-hmm. check out what he said in the very beginning. He said, you shall receive power to be witnesses to me. Yeah. You will be endued with power, is what it reads in another translation. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon us as believers, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the power of God that made the universe, that power resides in us all the time. So we should use it? <laughs> so we should <laughs> or use try. it to do stuff. <laughs> And so that's the, that's the key. A lot of people don't understand. They think, well, you know, if I gotta, want someone to be healed, I have to beg God to do it. You mm-hmm. don't have to beg God to do it. God has given you the power. He's giving you the authority. All you need is faith to believe. Faith releases the power that is already inside you. I like to tell people, look, you're a little walking, talking transformer of God's power. You have the power of God inside of you. That's the Holy Spirit. He dwells in you. He is the power that heals. Well, most so, people don't feel it, I guess, because they, they haven't tried it, it out. They, they haven't tested feel it, it. But you know what? Some people do. Mm-hmm. Like I have a lot of friends when they pray for people, they can feel heat. They can feel energy. They can feel something going out of their hand when they pray. I don't feel it. But, you know, most of the people that I pray for when I am praying for like a, a shoulder injury or ankle injury, they feel heat or they feel tingling. They feel power going out of my body into their body, wherever my hand is, mm-hmm. they can feel it. I, I prayed for that one woman. She was at her house at one time. And she said, your, your hands are like two heat lamps. She said she could feel heat radiating right out of my hands. So, I mean, that's, it's legit. And it's not a gift. That's one thing I would like to say. It's not a gift. It's not for special people. This is something Jesus told all of his disciples that they could do. Right. And, you know, it, and some people would say, well, you know, did they really do that? Well, if you go to um, Acts chapter 5. There's a really cool passage in there. I I love this passage. It's Acts chapter 5, verse 16. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. All. All I I looked up in the dictionary, all. You know what it means? (laughs) All. It means all. (laughs) It means everyone who was sick and 
possessed, demon-possessed, was healed. So this was what the disciples were doing after Jesus had gone to heaven. And there is no reason why we can't be doing the same stuff today. This is really the reason for this show is to show believers that they have this ability inside them and they, they, they don't even realize it. And they don't realize it until someone come, like me or you comes along and says, hey, how would you like to learn how to heal the sick? How would you like to learn how to raise the dead? It's, it's doable. I have, I have a lot of friends who raise the dead, not like all the time every day. But they they actually have a a group in Washington State, right? The dead raising team. Yes. And it's it's actually sanctioned by the Shelton County Sheriff's Department. Right. (laughs) They have little badges and cards that they whenever somebody dies, the coroner's office and the sheriff's department says, hey, if you'd like someone to, you know, try to raise them from the dead, we have a team. That's what they do. I mean, that's just amazing to me that that would be, you know, listed as a service. It it is pretty amazing. But the other thing I want to talk about briefly is the identity of the believer. This is something that is really, really crucial, and it will take you a little bit of time to wrap your mind around. But a large part of what we have to do as believers is demonstrating the power and the love of God to the world. And part of that is understanding who you are in Christ, who you are as a disciple, who you are as an ambassador of Christ, an ambassador of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who says, when people ask him, you know, what he does, who he is, he says, I'm an imperial ambassador of the highest realm of the galaxy or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> because he knows that he represents the king of heaven. Mm-hmm. And he knows that he has been given power and authority to execute God's will in the earth. And that's really what we are. Uh, once you understand your identity, once you start to understand who you are, what God is called you to do, what he has enabled you to do, mm-hmm. what his power inside of you can do, it, there is no limit to what you will be able to do. Understanding your identity is a huge thing, and that's why, you know, if you go to my website, and uh, which is prayingmedic.com, and check out the articles that we have there, I've written a bunch of articles on the identity of the believer. I have friends who are very gifted writers. They've written articles, and they've allowed me to post them there. In my books, I often write about the identity of the believer because if you want to operate in the supernatural, you can do it. But a lot of the things that hold us back from doing that is we don't understand who we really are. Yeah. You know, I had this dream a couple of years ago. In the dream, I was walking through a, an urban area and I was running into all these people who did not know who they were. <laughs> they had all lost their identity along the way. They were lost. They didn't know who they were. And in the dream, I was given keys to who they were in their identity. And I spoke their identity to them. And I did this to one person after another. And as I spoke their identity to them, they were changed, they were transformed, and they understood who they were. And their lives just became different. Yeah. And I've had a number of dreams like that. That's so typical of, of the kind of dreams you have. It is. It um, is. You have very interesting dreams and you pay attention. Well, yeah. And you know, God gives me those dreams because part of what he wants me to do is to help people understand who they are, who they were created to be. We're all designed to be people who walk in the same authority, the same power that Jesus did. He's our mm-hmm. example. People look at Jesus and say, well, he was the Messiah. He was God, you know, come in the flesh. Yes. yes. Well, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yes. But they say, well, Jesus did those miracles because he was God. And that's, we're not God, so we can't do those things. Well, the fact is, 
he divested himself of all of his mm-hmm. his godhead power and all that stuff. When he, he came here. When he came here to earth, he came here as a man. And when the Holy Spirit came upon him and he was baptized with the Holy Spirit, he was a man walking in right relationship with God. All the things he did, he did as a man, empowered by the Holy Spirit, walking in relationship with the Father. That is the model for all of us. We're all supposed to be walking in relationship with God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, knowing our identity. What happened when Jesus came up out of the water? Father said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. We are sons. And when We're we, daughters. Yeah, and when we recognize and understand and accept we are sons and daughters, empowered by him, and that we're supposed to do the same things he does, it really changes your life. So parting shots. First, I'd like you to remember that anyone can do miracles. If you're a believer, you have the power and the authority. You have the power of God living in you. You have all the authority. All you need to have is a little bit of faith. Faith takes a little time to develop. Mm -hmm. When I started praying for people, I prayed for months. I prayed for hundreds of people. You did. Nobody was healed. I was in a place of skepticism and doubt. I didn't believe in the the miraculous. I had to start training my mind to think differently. I had to renew my mind to the truth. But if you persist and if you continue praying for people, you will see miracles happen eventually. You just have to be persistent. So those are some of the keys. I mean, it's persistence. It's knowing who you are. It's knowing your identity. Knowing that there is a learning curve. And you can do all this stuff. So I'm praying medic. My partner in miracles is my wife, Denise. We would like to thank you. Uh, We'd also like to thank Braden, our uh, board operator tonight, for a good job on the board. Thanks, Braden. Next week, we're going to have my friend Jesse Berkey on the show. Jesse is also a paramedic. He's an author, and he's a star of a new TV show called Project Afterlife. It's not unusual for paramedics to bring people back to life, but Jesse has done it without using drugs or electricity. (laughs) Go to my website, prayingmedic.com. Check out the articles. Check out the books. Uh, Tune in next Thursday at 8 for Jesse's story here on Independent Talk 1100 KFNX.